welcome to this week's episode of Everything Under the Sun, a weekly podcast answering all the most pressing questions children around the world have about life on Earth. Let's begin with our first question, which is a super interesting one from Zoe. Over to Zoe. Hi, Molly. I'm Zoe. I'm eight. I live in Devon. And my question is, how do worms make soil healthy? Hi, Zoe. Well, thank you for asking that one. I love going for walks in the countryside. And after it rains, you usually see lots of little worms wriggling around in the earth. And I always wonder what they get up to. I asked Sarah Langford to help me answer this question. Sarah used to be a lawyer, but now she's a farmer, so she knows lots about soil and how it stays healthy. She's even written a book about farming called Rooted, which your parents might love. Over to Sarah. Hi Zoe, that's a really great question and an important one. Because when worms make soil healthy, then the plants which grow in that soil can be healthy. And when we eat the plants, we can be healthy too. My name is Sarah Langford and I'm a writer and a farmer. I wrote a book called Rooted, stories of life, land and a farming revolution, all about farmers making their soils as healthy as possible to grow food for you. Worms are the little heroes under our feet. Charles Darwin once said that there were few other animals who have played such an important part in the history of our world. Because worms make soil. They do that by eating and recycling organic matter like dead plants, fallen leaves, fungi and bacteria, even dead animals. They can eat their own body weight in food every single day. When they eat it, they break it down and then they poo. A worm poo is called a cast and it is packed with nutrients to help keep the soil fertile and full of minerals and nutrients for plants to use to grow. A worm poo contains five times more nitrogen, seven times more phosphorus and a thousand times more bacteria than the soil around them. Worms also tunnel deep below the ground and this mixes up the soil and means that air can get to it, which soil needs to stay healthy. Soil also needs water and these worm tunnels means that rainwater doesn't get washed off the top of the soil but sinks deep into the earth where it's needed. There are lots of little organisms that live in soil. Some of them eat polluting particles which are bad for the planet and turn them into particles which don't harm the earth. Worms help keep the soil healthy by moving these organisms around as they burrow and tunnel underground. They're also very important in the food chain for other species like birds, hedgehogs and frogs. So if you're a farmer, you love worms. Why don't you dig some up in some soil and see how many there are in there? 
Thanks so much, Sarah, for your wonderful answer about worms. I had no idea that worms could eat polluting particles and turn them into good ones. How amazing is that? Thank you, little worms, for helping out our planet. And thank you, Zoe, for sending in the question. I hope that answers it. And now for our second question, which is also sort of about worms. Completely different kinds of worms. It comes from Clara from the Canary Islands. Over to Clara. Hello, my name is Clara and I'm nine years old. I live in Grand Canaria and I really like the colour green and I like playing games with my brother. My question is, do wormholes actually exist? Thank you, Clara, for that puzzling conundrum. Well, a wormhole is something that scientists think might exist in space. It's a passage through time and space that is supposed to create a shortcut. They're kind of like tunnels that look a little bit like a diabolo that you can pass through from one end to the other. If you just Google it, you'll see what it looks like. Now, why are these tunnels called wormholes? Well, it's because you can imagine a huge worm making its way through the earth or an apple or a piece of cake and creating a tunnel that you can go through. So say you've got an apple, you could go all the way around the outside of the apple. Or if you're a worm, you can make a tunnel straight through, shortcut to the other side. That's why they're called wormholes. Another way to imagine a wormhole is take a piece of paper, draw two points on either end of the paper, then try and connect the points by folding the paper so the two points are touching. If you can imagine a tunnel going through those two points, that would look a bit like a wormhole taking you from one point in the universe to another. Some people think that wormholes might be able to connect two different points in time that are over a billion light years apart. That is crazy. Wormholes are something that you hear about sometimes in science fiction, which is a kind of writing which is made up, but about like cool things that might be able to happen. There are so many possibilities that come from the idea of being able to jump from one place in space-time to another. It's basically like time travel, which I wish could exist, or I really wish that teleporting could exist. So right now, when I'm in my shed in rainy old England, I could just teleport myself somewhere nice and warm under a palm tree by the lapping sea. Ah, if only teleporting existed. The thing is, nobody really knows if wormholes actually exist. We've never seen one, and they're only a theory at the moment, so it's difficult to say for sure. But I hope they do. Maybe one day, Clara, you might uncover the mystery of wormholes. I hope that answers your question, Clara, and thank you for sending it in. Our next question is about something else that looks a little bit wormy and can also live in space. It's about tardigrades, and it comes from Max. Over to Max. My name is Max. I'm seven years old. I'm I'm from Adelaide, South Australia. My question is, how can tardigrades, also known as water birds, survive in space? Hi, Max. Thank you for that great question. Well, tardigrades, as you say, also known as water bears, are fascinating creatures. They are sometimes called water bears or moss piglets is another really cool name for them because they look a little bit like an eight-legged fluffy bear or piglet, but they're absolutely tiny, about one millimetre long. And they can live almost anywhere. They live in freshwater, in the sea, in moss, in sand, on plants. Tardigrades are everywhere, even though we can't see them. There are tiny little one millimetre bears 
living all over the place. They have eight legs, each with sharp claws on the end, but they don't have any organs. The insides of their bodies are just filled with liquidy gloop. They usually eat plants, and they do this by piercing the plant with something called a stylet, which is a bit like our teeth, but it's more like a spear next to their mouths. They then suck out all the yummy cells from the plant. Tardigrades are also amazing because they can reproduce, like make another one of themselves, with a partner or just on their own. They could just make another tardigrade just like themselves if they want to. But how come they can survive in space? Well, tardigraves have the amazing ability to survive very cold and very dry conditions. When they're in a place like space, they go into a state called the tun. T-U-N. The tun state is where their bodies dry out and appear like a lifeless ball. But really, they're alive, they're just not moving. It's kind of like hibernating. Tardigrade style. They can survive like this for decades, waiting for the nice wet conditions to come back. And then they'll spring back into life again. Scientists tested tardigrade survival skills by putting them in a vacuum that was like space. It wasn't very nice for them, and some of them did die, since space is even more hospitable than the driest places on Earth. But some of them survived, and they woke up again after the experiment. Isn't that amazing? So tardigrades don't actually live in space, but if you sent one up into space, it probably survived for a bit, but not as long as on Earth. So let's be nice to tardigrades and not send them into space. But I think if tardigrades are existing all over the place and we can't see them, the possibility of wormholes is even more likely. What do you think? I hope that answers your question, Max, and thank you for sending it in. Right, that's it for this week. Wishing you all a very lovely week. A huge thank you to the wonderful Sarah Langford, farmer and writer and mother, for her explanation about worms. And also a big thank you to Zoe, Clara and Max for this week's questions. If you have a question you would like answered on the show, I think you know what to do. Borrow a phone, record yourself by video or audio saying your name, your age, your country and your question and send it in to me at molly at everythingunderthesub.co.uk. It will either end up on the podcast or in the new book, especially if it's about world cultures or habitats or festivals. The first book is out now, Everything Under the Sun, a curious question for every day of the year, and I recommend you get it for all of your friends for Christmas. I can send you a bookmark if you like, and a book plate which you can stick in your book. Have a lovely week filled with lots of fun looking for wormholes, tardigrades, and worms. I mean, you're most likely to see a worm, I should expect, but let me know if you get into a wormhole or see a tardigrade. Have a great week. I'll be back next week answering more curious questions from children around the world in another episode of Everything Under the Sun. Wishing you a wonderful week ahead. Thank you and goodbye.